X-Men X-Men Hello Welcome to Comic Book Herald Live Hey, thanks to those of you who are here early Getting in song requests I had to pause and look up the lyrics To the X-Men 92 theme song That's why I'm a few minutes late But I think I got it X-Men 97 trailer out today those of you excited about the return of my childhood. That was fun. That was fun. I had a, I had a good time watching that, I got to say. We'll talk about that a little bit. We'll talk about what's going on in the world of comics. We're going to do taxes today. We're going to do taxes today. Who is hyped? I am, actually. I think this should be very fun. Listen, I'll tell you what. I've been out running errands. I'll tell you <laughs> about those errands. No, I've been running errands, and listen, I'm a little behind. I'm a little behind on getting things prepped, so we're just going to talk and go. We're just going to talk and prep. I think we can do that. Can I do two things at once? Successfully? No chance. No chance, but we're going to try it all the same. Hey, everybody, I'm Dave Busing, founder and editor-in-chief of ComicBookHerald.com. You are listening to Comic Book Herald Live here on YouTube. If you like the channel, please like, subscribe, share, and comment. All that fun stuff helps me out a great deal. If you like these conversations and you can't always join for the YouTube live streams, you can, in fact, join for uh, uh, the podcast over on Comic Book Herald's Best Comics Ever. Those are released pretty much every Friday, but the week that I do the live stream, I do release those on the podcast channel as well. You can head on over there and listen as a pod. Right? But for those of you here live, thank you for being here. You can get in your questions. You can get in your thoughts. You can get in your chat all live. As always, be respectful to those around you. I will address any and all questions as I am able and as I see fit, most importantly. All right, I got to warn you. I got to warn you. We're doing some image changes on the fly. Okay, we're doing image changes on the fly. Goodbye last week. Hello, this week, this week's comics that came out, we had Fall of the House of X, number two, we had Wolverine, number 30, no, 43, Victor Laval, special, got the saber-toothed side of the Wolverine War, let's see, we got our taxes up and running, get excited for that later, where we're going to rank a whole host of comics, but otherwise, we're going to talk about what's going on in the world. Okay? I see people are... I got tax season, baby, from Adam. I got Justin, all caps, taxes, cousin Marcus, three party faces, tax time. Michael says, X-Men and taxes are my favorite. I'm so jazzed how all of you are to do taxes with me. <laughs> I think So this came out as a joke because updating my spreadsheet of the best comics of all time on Comic Book Herald is a labor of love that I've been doing for years and years and years now. And I did this live one episode, and somebody was like, this is like watching Dave do his taxes, but like said with love, said with a weird <laughs> a weird affinity. So we're going to do that as well. We're going to rank a bunch of comics for things like House of M. I've never ranked before, so books you know, but then a lot is just what I've been reading, what's good, what else is out there, and then we're compare them to what else. Okay, so we're going to spend a lot of time doing that. It's a perfect, perfect week for it. Um, and I think that's why I'm in such a good mood, because we have such a clear plan 
for the day. I just, I have so much going on that I'm excited to tell you about. I don't even know hardly where I can start. Let's start here. Tomorrow, I'm making my major label debut on Off Panel, podcast hosted by David Harper, who runs Sketched, Off Panel and Sketched, the the David Harper combo. One of my favorite um, journalistic enterprises in comics for years and years now. Uh, Definitely a a huge fan. And uh, David asked me to be a part of the Sketched Trade Value column this year, which I I shared previously. And then I think promptly forgot to actually talk about (laughs) on the live stream. I was so caught up in whatever was happening in the world of of comics that I completely forgot to discuss it. But so I participated in that where I got to do things like arbitrate on whether DC would trade Jim Lee for Jonathan Hick, three years of Jonathan Hickman and the rights to, uh, or the, the, the heavier portion of profit sharing in like a DC versus Marvel reboot. It was that type of thing. It's a very fun exercise. And, uh, and we could talk about those. But the reason I bring it up primarily is I'm making my major label debut. I'm going on off panel tomorrow. If you haven't listened to off panel, if you're not familiar, it's one of the biggest comics podcasts. It's certainly the biggest, I guess, this side of Word Balloon. I guess that and Word Balloon are the biggest like interview podcasts right, where they just talk to all sorts of different creators and folks in and around comics. Um, David does a great job. I particularly find his conversation with, like, retailers and behind-the-scenes, um, like, business of comic stuff especially fascinating because that's those are often areas of comics that I don't know as well. And then anytime he talks to any of his, like, any anybody inside the space of comics journalism, I was interested in that because, obviously, I've played a role in my own small way over the last several years. Long story short, I'm going to be on off-panel tomorrow. The episode will go out, I don't even know when, maybe shortly after. We're doing a live, well, not live, it's not live at all. We're doing a fantasy draft of what we think X-Men is going to look like come July. So it's a it's a X-Men relaunch fantasy draft. We're going to do like two tiers of drafts, right? One is going to be the books and the creators that we want to see. So that's where we just totally get to fan out, fan cast, like, who do you want to see? And I've shared some thoughts like that here on, on the live stream, certainly. But I want to know from you all in the chat, what books do you want to see and who do you want to see on them? I'm curious what other people think. I've got a spreadsheet. I've got a whole spreadsheet. I, I put more prep into this fantasy draft for for a comics for an X-Men comics podcast than I put into any paid fantasy football league over the last five years. <laughs> <laughs> Pre five years, I put more time into it. But, but the last five years, I put more time into this X-Men draft. And then the other tier of it is, what do you think is going to happen? What do you think Tom Brevoort and the powers that be are actually going to launch their X-Men reset with? That one is obviously more challenging. It's a little more difficult because it's like, I'm, I'm more focused on the Dave Stinney getting the prediction right than I am um, saying something I want. But I also don't want to put into the the air, like I don't want to say the words, Dan Slott and Greg Lyons, X-Men. I don't want to say the words, Mark Miller and Greg Capullo's Wolverine. I don't want these things out <laughs> in the world. I'm going to edit that audio, take that out, and make sure that those didn't just go out live currently. Okay, so this should be a lot of fun. I'm definitely going to be promoting this when the episode actually go live, but I'm doing it tomorrow morning. I can't even tell you how many pots of coffee I'm going to be making to do this puppy. It's going to be a blast. So get in your thoughts on what the X-Men titles are going to be 
Are we going to have an Uncanny X-Men? Are we going to have a continuation of X-Men Red? Are we going to have X-Men Blue? What's What are the titles going to be? And then who is going to be on the books? Justin, you watch it with that Slotland X-Men confirmation. You watch it. All right. Getting getting a little little too uh a little too under my skin even though I just made the same joke and obviously it wasn't it wasn't funny then either okay <laughs> um, all right couple thoughts before we get before we get to taxes really cuz we're barely talking about comics today um a couple thoughts i got a little emotional watching the x-men 97 trailer i'm not ashamed to admit it i can admit it right i got i got a little emotional i had a smile on my face did i tear up no no, but it was like, there was a moment where I was like, am I going to tear up? And then the obvious big manly answer was, <laughs> no, never. I only cry when old wizards die. I think um, if, if when Ben Grimm and Johnny Storm have a touching moment, that'll get the waterworks going. If an old wizard dies, I'm done for. I'm crying then. Uh, what else? And just like when I like fully let myself absorb the atrocity of of the world we live in. <laughs> That's the other time. <laughs> but but otherwise, but otherwise, not a lot of tears. X-Men 97 didn't actually get me there, but I did get emotional. I felt a lot of nostalgia in in a lot of fun ways. And I did think like, listen, we can go cynical, Dave. We can do that again. Okay. I know it bugs some of you. And right, this is clearly catering to an aging audience that just wants their childhood served back to them from their corporate overlords and does not want to to question or engage with the world around them with new art. We could say something like that. Or or I could say, I can't wait to watch this with my kids, <laughs> which is true, which is very true. I can't, I, I'm more excited to watch Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur season two with my kids. And they're going to be more into that. And good golly, if the soundtrack's anywhere near as good as season one, we are going to be dancing to that in the kitchen. But uh, but yeah, I'm excited to watch X-Men 97 with the kiddos. I think that'll be fun. Um, as far as direction, I saw some people being like, oh, they're doing a Krakoa thing. I, what? No. Like, maybe. I mean, I don't. Re- it doesn't really impact me one way or the other. They're not full on doing Krakoa. I mean, I think if anything, the direction is like, very much what the 90s series, which is going to be, okay, let's pay homage to the good stuff that came, right? So you're going to have a little Headmaster Magneto type stuff in that New Mutants era. Um, you're going to have a little early 90s, maybe a little Executioner song, right? Some of the events they didn't touch in the original series. I, I don't see them creeping into Cassandra Nova uh, New X-Men territory, you know, as of yet. Could you have a Krakoa-esque spinoff? Maybe, but like, listen, it's not going to give you the highs of House and Powers. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't, I don't totally get why folks, I mean, Steve Fox wrote that really good House of X-Men 92 miniseries, which is a really good adaptation of like, what if the animated series did Hoxpox, you know? And I, I don't, need more than that <laughs> like i'm not i'm not i don't know i don't need to see krakoa in this animated guise where it's like super watered down and not really at all what the comics were you know but uh but anyway anyway we'll see what they actually do i am tentatively excited for it jd says dave when gambit charged wolverine claws what are the chances his claws go boom i was so jazzed 
I got excited about that. I have no cynicism about Gambit charging Wolverine's claws and making exploding hot claws. Give me two of them, baby. Give me two of those sequences. Okay, that's that Ultimate Alliance synchronicity. Ultimate Alliance 2 power up. I'm here for it. I'm here for it. That was a fun time. Listen, it's going to be just just like like what like just the most cleansing nostalgia. I think. I think the most cleansing nostalgia. Okay, what else happened? Uh the Fantastic 4 in the MCU, they're going to be in the 60s. Lo and behold, there were finally an announcement, finally official casting. I mean, the big the big news about the Fantastic 4 MCU version which is coming in 2025 is uh is they got cuz. They got cuz from the bear as the thing. Holy smokes, is that good casting. I'm not I'm not one of these casting individuals, right? I don't watch enough movies, I don't watch enough TV to feel uh like that's something I want to do. But cuz as the thing, that is a, a brilliant fit as the ever-loving blue-eyed Benjamin Grimm. Uh I don't need anything else except for Doctor Doom to be perfect beyond that. I think that that blew my mind. I was like, oh, damn, that's that's really flipping good. Uh, the fact that it's in the 60s is kind of whatever for me. Um, I don't know. Is it going to be this timeline? And it's, I, I think the thing about it that probably bothers me is if it's the same timeline, if this is like MCU Prime, I guess they call it 616, which doesn't make sense, but whatever, um, then aren't we doing the same trick that we did with Captain Marvel? And with Hank Pym and Janet in Ant-Man? Isn't this the same trick now to, like, the secret lost histories of heroes that were here before and for some reason we've lost their... Aren't we just doing the century over and over again at a certain point? So if it's a multiverse thing, fine. But if it's that, I'm kind of like, oh, this is a bit tired. Um, maybe there's a better rationale. I don't know. I am also... Uh, the movie itself will be fine. I'm not, wor I'm not worried about the Fantastic Four because... They're taking the 60s take on the heroes. I, that makes sense. I think if you're looking at, like, what is the core of the Fantastic Four, you know, I think you're going to go that route. Okay, but here's the thing. Not not Benjamin, Jay Grimm, but the other thing is a classic. That's a classic comic zinger. That never gets old. Will that ever get old? No chance. Zero chance that ever gets old. Uh, people's perception, fandom's perception of the Fantastic Four there's no other Marvel work. There's no other core Marvel creation from Stan, Jack, and Steve and collaborators that is so thoroughly tied, so thoroughly tied to the decade in which it was created, a.k.a. the early 1960s. Right? Spider-Man launched in 1963, Stanley the Manly and Steve Ditko, and... Nobody thinks of Spidey as like, oh, it has to be in the 60s. Spidey elevated and, and slung his way out of the decade very easily, in fact, right? The, the strength of the character, the strength of the stories, nobody thinks of that as like a period piece, okay? The Fantastic Four have really never escaped that perception, kind of never, to the point that we're here 60 years later and you have folks in a room trying to be like, what is the core of the Fantastic Four? And like one of the key elements is pre-Vietnam 60s. It's, it's, it, it's a time period. And that is 
odd. I think that is limiting in what the Fantastic Four can be. Because when I think about what the Fantastic Four have been in the new millennium, I mean, the best of them is the Jonathan Hickman run, which takes that foundation of Kirby genius, yes, but it elevates it to like, these are science explorers. That concept, the Imaginauts, that's not limited to a certain time period. I mean, even the Wade and Waringo stuff from the early 2000s, it's nostalgic in its own way. I mean, Wade is a classicist, I think, at heart. I don't know what that word means in the context of comics, but I'm using it to describe Wade. He loves old comics is the point. Um, Even that doesn't feel like, oh, well, it has to be in a particular period. And yet there's this core feeling of like, well, they're the first family, so they have to come in the early 1960s. I think that's strange. I think it's limiting to the Fantastic Four. Do I think the movie's going to stay there? No, of course not. They're going to get lost in the negative zone. They're going to come back. Then they're going to be here in modern day, right? That's what's going to happen. It's what's going to happen, but I just don't know how necessary it is, you know? Um, I do think it's less about, to me, it's less about the time period and, like, the fact that they are the first family. It doesn't just mean literally family. It doesn't just mean a superhero team that is also a family. They are the first good thing in Marvel Comics. They aren't just the first thing. They're the first good thing for a sustained period of time. Like when you go and you do My Marvelous Year, the podcast and reading club where we go through the history of Marvel Comics from its origins to today, and you read through the 1960s stuff, the only thing close to Fantastic Four is Spidey. And it is an argument what is actually better at stretches. I go Spidey at the end of the day. But Fantastic Four is really stinking good. And it's it's a problem for the franchise because it's so good from 61 to like 66 and really to whatever point Kirby leaves, you know, but 66, you get the coming of Galactus, you got all the inhuman stuff, you get Black Panther. I mean, it's huge. It's really hard to say who had a better 66, Fantastic Four or Amazing Spider-Man. It's genuinely difficult. Okay. Um, But like, it's so good out of the gates and it's so, it's so the center of Marvel. They're the first family. They're the core family. They're the core of the Marvel Universe. They are light years more important than the Avengers as the Marvel Universe is formed. So having formed an MCU devoid of the Fantastic Four, devoid of them as first family, like, I don't know how you recapture that when you're already in a working universe. And I think that has been the thing the kind of sense that has been lost for Marvel Comics, it's it's very hard to reclaim. Can we ever make them the center again? I, you know, and at this point, with X-Men being as big as it is and Spidey being as big as it is and even Avengers, like, it kind of seems impossible, you know? And that's the piece that I just don't know that they can ever recapture that is such a crucial element. Like, the things that happen in Fantastic Four, those are the events just because they happen in Fantastic Four, that's how big it is. Folks who weren't there, they don't understand this, right? And it doesn't mean there aren't good runs after this point. I, I actually like the John Byrne Fantastic Four stuff a fair amount. There's some great ideas in there. Like I said, Wade Waringo. Like I said, Hickman, okay? And there's other, like, more under-the-radar Simonson's Fantastic Four stuff in the late 80s. Nobody talks about that nearly as much as Thor, right? Um, the Ryan North run right now is solid, but it feel, it's, like, small, right? It's, like, insular, 
Fantastic Four are like kind of in their own corner doing their thing. You know, how do you make them, how do you give them first family essentiality? Look it up. That's definitely a word. Go ahead. I dare you. Uh, all right. Those are my thoughts on it being seven to sixties. I think that's it. I think that's all the, the, the topic stuff we had to do right up front. Jordan says 60 store is so good though. Thor is 60 store is underrated. Um, it goes, it goes amazing. Spider-Man, fantastic four, one, two tier a or, or tier S, however you do it. And uh, Dr. Strange is often in the mix next and Thor. Those are probably the next two on the sixties launch tier. Then you get into Cap, Iron Man, uh, and then probably you drop to like Hulk and X-Men. And I'm sure I'm forgetting stuff that's just off the top of my head. But yeah, 60s Thor is up there. That, that's some of Kirby's best cosmic stuff. Silver Surfer gets higher up there once that launches a little bit later. For sure, for sure. All right. We doing this? We doing this? Okay, I'm taking a sip of water, getting your questions, getting your thoughts. Let's see what people want to say. We're sponsored today by Little Water. Actually, we're, we're sponsored today by Glass, just so close to empty water. <laughs> the glass the glass is so close to empty. Like I said, running errands, doing so many things. Did not have time to fill up my water bottle. It's going to be close if we can make it through this without needing more water. It's going to be tough. All right. Get in your questions. Get in your thoughts. JD says, fall of X thoughts. Ooh, actually, more interesting. Noah says, hello from the UK. What time is it in the UK? What is it, anarchy over there? Huh? Is it anarchy in the UK? <laughs> What's it? It's got to be like 11 p.m. Get thee to a bed, Noah. Be sleepy tomorrow. It's a school day. Thank you for joining. Appreciate I appreciate you being here and promptly getting yelled at for not being in bed. JD says, Fall of X thoughts. Actually, more interesting than Fall of X, Michael just confirmed it's 1141 in the UK. 1141. 041 in France. What does that even mean? Is that midnight 41? Good golly. Do y'all do time differently too? That's the thing about Kang, right? If Kang the Conqueror didn't travel through the years, but simply traveled through time zones. I would like, I would like a version of Kang that, that his, amb their ambition were way smaller, <laughs> right? And, and they could travel through time zones, but they were just bewildered by the changes. They were constantly confused by how hard time zones can be. What do we call that character? Give me a name. I'll pitch the comic to Marvel tomorrow. Uh, Mountain Lions asks, are we losing Duggan's grip on Fauxhawks? Are we losing Duggan's grip? Cousin Marcus says, that Hickman F4 issue after Johnny's death will make any thug cry. It got me. It got me. And literally no one has ever described me even approximating a thug. <laughs> Wetter and softer than most marshmallows? Yes, I've heard that. Um, <laughs> but yes, that's, that's an emotional issue. Johnny and Ben stuff makes me cry. I can't, I can't even fully place why. I'd probably talk about that in therapy, I think. Rogue Collecting says, what if this character had constant jet lag? There we go. There we go. Con <laughs> they have constant jet lag. 
They don't so they don't even travel through dimensions like with a with a power. They just <laughs> they just do it the same way as everyone else in the world. But like they think they can conquer time by like, ooh, I, I get 18 hours if I go to Bangladesh. Okay. Okay. I can do a lot in 18 hours. Right? I think we're on to something here with this with this character. Let's see. Uh, JD says, time zones in the UK greater than fall of the House of X. I, I didn't say it. I did not say those words. I definitely didn't. Chris Cueva asks, worst X comics of all time. Ooh. Well, in my rankings, as we'll see, I do I have Fallen Angels last? Is that right? Let's see. Let's listen. We have this ranked. We can just pull up the data on the spreadsheet and we can see where is the first X-Men comic on this list. Fallen Angels. No, Wolverine Origin. No, X-Core. We actually have a, we've we've got some competition. I've got 966 Fallen Angels, 967 Wolverine Origin. I like Paul Jenkins, by the way, and Andy Kubert. And 968 X-Core. So there you go. There's your competition. Is Dazzler an X-Men comic? Do we count that? Because then Dazzler the movie would be the, the pick. If we count Dazzler as an X-Men comic, which probably we should, then Dazzler the movie is the worst X-Men comic of all time. And the fifth worst comic of all time. Okay, but I'm not here to be negative. Y'all know that about me. I'm not here to be negative. I'm here to talk about the positives of why we all love comics. We're going to get to tax time. Stop pushing ahead, y'all. All right, fine. Let's do this. I don't think I can get started on Fall of the House of X number two. I, I really don't. I think if you listen, you know how I feel generally. Um, I thought this comic was kind of appalling. Like, there are dumpster fires with more dignity. I can't get into specifics or I'll probably be in a funk all night. <laughs> I, can't, I can't keep going through these, was it a Gillen or Ewing, uh, Ewing week mood swings? And don't bait me, okay? Don't bait me. Don't even try. Don't try to get me started on, on Fall of the House of X number two. I know what you're all up to. Here's what I'll say. It kind of stinks going out like this. Like, like an era with such promise with so many meaningful stories to so many fans, gets rushed into this inevitable cycle of recycled regression that, you know, is at its worst Marvel stock and trade. And I mean, good grief, everything about this book screams top-down instruction to wrap it up quickly. It's the comics equivalent of me trying to get my kid to go to school on time. <laughs> like, like, I don't care if the socks match and you're wearing your younger brother's way too small pants. <laughs> like, like, that is not my concern at the moment. Just get out the door. And hey, maybe I'm giving benefit of the doubt that doesn't belong, but it doesn't seem like an accident or a Bob Ross happy coincidence that everyone is suddenly doing their worst work on a high-profile book, calling back to House of X. Duggan's a mess of hand-boning his way through the issue, and undercutting any of the gravity he so successfully applied to the Hellfire Gallus. And Wernick suddenly looks like an artist working on, on scale and pacing for the first time in their life, which was not the case on their regularly excellent work in Immortal X-Men. These are not creators 
without skill. We have seen it throughout this era. So I'm I'm pretty willing to give some benefit on the doubt here that like, well, why, well, who is coaching them to their worst production? Ultimately, that's what kills me. I'm I'm ready for the Krakoa to end. I am. And it was, and I, I was going into this. I'm ready to put a bow on the five-year journey. But good golly, have some dignity. Have some respect for the work getting us to this point. This is the second issue of Fall of the House of X, the big event. And in House of X number two, a million years ago, we were looking at one of the best Marvel comics of all time. That promised, matched to this schlock, is an insult to fandom and an insult to taste. It was genuinely unthinkable that I wouldn't even want to read the event conclusion to the Krico era. Unthinkable. And that's where I'm at. I do not care to read the remaining issues of Fall of the House of X. Obviously, we still have Gillen and Ewing fighting against these same directive forces, but I'm worried even they'll succumb to the single greatest barrier in all of comics, time. You have to have time to make good comics. It is the single most important ingredient. And that does not appear to be an allocated resource. (laughs) Like, they do not seem to have been granted that. You know, it it is wrap it up quickly time. It is not, here's your lead time to do this right. The reason House and Powers are so flippin' excellent is there was loads of lead time. Some of that's nature of the beast. A lot of that is self-imposed. A lot of that is self-imposed. What was more important to Marvel? Resetting X-Men in July or finishing the Krakoa era with dignity and a semblance of quality reminiscent of the launch? And it's it's a self-imposed timeline. It doesn't need to reset in July. What is the rationale? There's no reason, right? It's just a self-imposed timeline you've set for yourself. And it, it sure seems that it is very much at the cost and the expense of this being a worthwhile read. If, I, if someone said, should I read Fall of the House of X? My answer is a firm no. Sticking the landing was always going to be the greatest challenge. It was always going to be the hardest thing. Right? Incredible degree of difficulty. This corner of the event feels like it's not even trying. And at this point, it's hard to even, like, I'm not blaming, like, an individual. I'm blaming the the corporate-led direction. And I'm blaming just, like, they gave up on this project. That's the problem. It feels like a project they gave up on before the fourth quarter. We're not done. (laughs) Can we just finish it? Could we just finish it? Come on. I still, listen, I'm holding out hope for Gillen and Ewing, and I I don't doubt them as creators a single iota, if you listen to me. But now I'm like, well, they probably got to rush their stuff too. And everything's going to suffer because of it. All right, fine. I guess I did have some thoughts (laughs) on the fall of the House of X, number two. Uh, What were your thoughts? What did, what did folks here think? JD says, Duggan went into OT against Mahomes and asked for the ball first after the coin toss. <laughs> I, I don't think he made it to overtime. 
Uh, but, but I appreciate the Super Bowl analogy. <laughs> James Jackson says, Duggan never hit the highs of James Harden, and James Harden never hit close to the lows of Duggan. James Harden is still that guy. James Harden is actually having a resurgence here with the Clippers. So, uh, yeah, that, that doesn't feel like the right comp. I don't, if there was a Harden-Duggan comp earlier that I missed, um, <laughs> that's, Harden was like, like an all-time good scorer for for those Houston stretches. I mean, love it or hate it, like that's that we're not talking all-time performance. If you're making a Harden comp, it's got to be somebody who was like a superstar. Like absolute superstar, but for some reason like couldn't become a champion. And that that's a weirder analogy to make in comics. Um I think I perpetually make the the Evil Robot Moira is the trading James Harden moment of of X-Men and basketball comps, but like who you would call the the James Harden of comics creators, I haven't thought about that one before. <laughs> that, that one will take me a minute, I suppose. Okay. People are saying, oh, the, the new X-Men better, better justify this. It won't. It won't. They're, even if it's really good, and I hope it is, it won't justify pulling the plug so early on this. That's a bummer. Angel says, do you think they're rushing so the comics match up with the TV show launch? I, no, I mean, because it's, it's, I mean, the TV show is X-Men 97 animated, right? They're not launching live action. It's not an MCU thing. I mean, I guess you'll have your Deadpool Wolverine movie, but, it, you know, it's not like it's going to tie in. You're just like, oh, we'll have new number ones at that time. You know, that's all it is. I did like Laval writing uh, Wolverine and Sabretooth. That was nice. It's good to see the Exiles again. I could tell right off the bat, I really liked the the narration that Laval and Percy have put on the page. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of assuming they're like taking turns, like writing the dialogue for the issue, but I don't actually know. So I'll give them both credit, right? They're co-writers on the story. Um, I like Wolverine's comments on nostalgia being like the only thing that can poison him. That was a cool concept, cool idea. This, I don't know. I, I feel like the Sabretooth War, I feel like fans are... There's a certain segment of fandom that is fearing the end of Krakoa, right? And they're fearful of of the back to basics, oh, we're going back to the mansion possibility of what the next era has in store, which I, I really don't think it's going to be that simple. Um, but I feel like they wrote off Sabretooth War, that segment of fandom, like without, maybe without cause. Sabretooth War is not bad. In fact, I think it's pretty good. <laughs> like, I know it feels super disconnected, from this event, and it is, like, that's been the Percyverse, you know, I guess biggest uh, problem, probably through no fault of Percy's, right? But he's just constantly, like, disconnected from everything. Um, but, I mean, if you liked what was happening in Sabretooth, like, we got crazy multiversal Sabretooth stuff. We got a Council of Victors, Council of Creeds, to match the Council of Reeds. We got Wolverine suffering tremendously. There was some wild stuff with Quentin Quire today. There's a really gross scene <laughs> that I've got on here uh, with, with X-23. Like, Sabretooth War is, wor- is worth your time. It is. Um, Justin says, without cause, Percy Percyverse has been bad since week two. I, I don't actually fully agree with that. I, I think the early days of the Percyverse were fine. Uh, it was just kind of the sustained, never-ending quest that was the problem. Uh, but, I, but when I say without cause, I'm saying like, it doesn't make sense that that those works would be so disconnected from everything else. 
like the, the the lack of integration is what I'm saying is that that seems kind of baseless. Xavier says multiversal stuff is overused these days. Yeah, I'm going to counter that. I'm going to counter that with immediate discounting of a multiverse story is overused these days. I kind of think it's gone the other way now, where like multiverse stuff was so, it got so heavy, so fast. And like, I think culturally, people bailed pretty hard. But I think now we're kind of back to a point where it's like, it's easy to just assume it's it's an overused trope as opposed to kind of taking each on its own merits. And the Council of Creeds is pretty good. I'm fine with that. Xavier says, the simple fact that since FF and Rick and Morty put counsel in all those concepts proves it's all the same. Do Rick, does Rick and Morty pay royalties to Hickman? Doesn't it feel like they should? Probably not the only ones. Justin says it'll be crazy if Percy pulls off being the best to finish their runs. Uh, best to finish their run. I, I mean, listen, it's it's a gilling and an ewing off. Still, let's not pretend it's not. Okay. All right, all right, we did it. I think. I think we talked about the comics. Getting your thoughts, getting your questions. I'm gonna take one more sip from Lil Water, and we're gonna do some taxes. Randall says, look, it was funny the first time, but why does Polaris have coffee in every panel? Yeah, I mean, I think if you have a joke, I do I do respect never letting it die. <laughs> as a as a podcasting podcasting middle-aged father, listen, we got we got to stick to our one jokes. There aren't that many of them. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be real hard to come up with more. Oh, my giggle says, damn, when you put it that way, it sounds like it's a fiscal year thing. Yeah, maybe, right? Like it's like the timing and the insistence and just the, the absolute sacrifice of quality. Like Lucas Wernick knows how to clarify how big Juggernaut is in relation to Krakoa. I suspect that is true. <laughs> I believe that. I'm willing to believe that Lucas Wernick, as an artist, knows how to scale Krakoa and Juggernaut. I am willing to believe that Jerry Duggan knows how to pace a single page of comics so we aren't jumping between the middle panels to entirely new sequences that are unrelated. I know this because I've seen these things. And to get this event comic that is supposed to be like kind of a prestigious thing, to be using the house and the power's name and to see these creators not capable of doing these things all of a sudden, that's not because they just forgot. Okay? It's not happening. So, I mean, there are clearly pressures to just get these things out the door. And that is like, that is when I just, I mean, that it's enraging. As a fan, I would like to at least see them attempt this challenge at the top of their game. You know, I mean, if, if in, if I, here's the thing, if I was Jerry Duggan's camp, <laughs> okay, right? If he was a big celeb and you're like in the camp, I'd be leaking so many rumors right now to like bleeding cool, right? I'd be leaking so many ru uh, rumors being like, yeah, Marvel Editorial pushed us to get this done in three weeks. And we had all these, like, I would be leaking everything to try to salvage my own name. Chris Cueva says, stop torturing yourself, Dave. Go back to reading Berserk. <laughs> That's good advice. 
That's that's very good advice. Um, Randall says, retailers have been going on about Marvel not selling as well as they used to. Maybe they're trying to pump up with another X-Men number one. Oh, of course, all the time. But like, you know, the other thing they like to do to pump up numbers, sell events. And you're, you're I mean, just the self-wound of like, of saying, well, our events don't really matter either. Like that's not going to do damage to readership and sales over time. Crazy. Cousin Mark says, when we get in Dave all Batman stream, we could do that sometime. I'll tell you what, when, when Batman, the next time I get really into the Batman run, maybe we make this a Batman podcast. I mean, it's not, I'm not crazy about the Zdarsky run. Uh, it's it's lesser desire. It's less than his Daredevil, I think. So, all right. Let's do some taxes. Keep get, keep coming. Your questions. We'll keep chatting. We'll keep talking. Okay, tax time. Can y'all even see that? Or do I have to zoom in? I can't tell. Let me know. All right. Here's what I'm ranking today. Let's let's pick a fun one first. Okay. Here's my list of things that I have ready to rank. We're going to start with one that you're all going to know, House of M. We read this in the My Marvelous Year Club not too long ago. I have never ranked it on Comic Book Herald's best comics of all time. Maybe then we'll do Sword and X-Men Red, the combined L. Ewing experience. Okay, we'll do those two first. And then we're going to tap into some, some different kind of stuff. All right, we'll start with a couple Marvels. Let's see, Angel says, zoom in. All right, so we're too small. How do I do that? How do I do that? Can I make it bigger? Maybe I can just make it bigger. If I had a nickel for every time. Okay, we'll make that bigger at my own expense, mind you. How's that? Do we still need my pretty face? Maybe just a little bit? Is that better? Let's try that. Look at this. Learning live. All right, House of M. House of M is Marvel's 2005 event, written by Brian Michael Bendis, with art by Olivier Coipel. I think maybe the first event that Coipel would have done in the 2000s. Uh, this spins out of Avengers Disassembled and the Avengers Relaunch, spearheaded by Brian Michael Bendis and Tom Brevoort, new editorial vision maker of the X-Men. Where does House of M belong? I'm, I'm more pro House of M than I think a lot of folks. I think it actually starts out very strong. And then Bendis kind of hits a Layla Miller wall where it's like, well, we have to get everyone out of this alternate reality very quickly. Um, I've probably scrolled up too high. Let's move down. Where this is not going to go real high on the list. I think we can get it. Hmm. We could probably get it inside the top 800. All-Star Western's pretty good, actually. That new 52 series. I think that was Justin Gray and Jimmy Palmiotti. And uh, oh, who's the artist on that? They go by one name, Moritat. That was one of my first comics I ever collected. But yeah, how's, I'm seeing here, Jasper says House of M is mid. I mean, that's hard to fight. I can't disagree. House of M was one of my, we talk about it in detail in my world this year. But that was one of the first comics experiences I ever had where uh, the the artist on the covers is Isad Ribich. And it was the first time I ever had like, like cover envy. Like I was like, I looked at the cover and I was like, oh, this comic's gonna look so cool. And then I opened it up and it was something else. And Livio Coipel is like, like incredible, like the fantastic artist. Uh, but I just, it was the first time in my life where I was like, oh, like it's not, the cover artist doesn't always match the interiors. 
Okay. Is it better than Bendis' own Scarlet? I actually do probably like it a little better than that. Um, let's see. Let's keep going up. Keep going up. Comics that are... These are all just kind of... Kind of dece. There's value in all of these. It's not better than The Smell of Starving Boys. That's a nice-looking comic. Grand Slam Romance is really funny. That's a recent book from Ollie Hicks and Emma Oosterhouse. Black Stars Above is an interesting horror book from Vault, Lonnie Needler. Uh, we're going to put it... We're going to separate... Nah, it's not better than Boys Weekend. That's a recent graphic novel from Maddie Lubinsky. Oh, boy. Oh, dear. Oh, dearie me. See, this is hard. It's hard to do live, especially. Good grief. Why would you ever try this? Um, okay, is it better than Tetris? Yeah, it's better than Tetris. I would read House of M before I read about the history of Tetris from Box Brown. Again, even though that is a very interesting history, and Box, Box Brown is good at telling those sorts of histories. So here's what we're going to do. House of M. Control X. Tax time, baby. Get it on the list. What did we say? Where were we? 700-something? Keep scrolling. Keep scrolling. Is there a better way to do this? Probably not. Okay. House of M. On the list. It'll be our new 764. Now we got to update the ranks because y'all are going to want to see that. Is there a better way to do this in Google Sheets? I don't know. We don't need those. Okay. 982 comics ranked. We're on a roll, baby. Let's see. Any questions? Xavier says it has to be better than any Wonder Woman material. Wild take. Wild take. It does not. I assure you. Okay, what are we going to do next? L. We're going to do a you can call me L. Call me L. <whistles> All right, Sword X-Men Red combo platter. Should we add Resurrection Magneto to this? I guess we do. Let's just add it in. Resurrection. That's definitely one of those words that I never know if I'm spelling it right. And that doesn't look right. It doesn't look right. Is it right? Let's check. Definitely not. How many C's? Resurrection. We got one S. Search instead for two C's, one R. Okay, got it. You're going to learn things on this on this podcast today. Wait, that's what I had. What? Okay, I'm not even going to mess with that. Sword, X-Men Red, Resurrection Magneto, where's it going? High. It's going high. I love these comics. We're going inside the top 500. How high can we go? Not especially, but we got to go. Barbaric's very good. I just read the third volume of this from Michael Marici and Nathan Gooden. This is like the Conan the Barbarian book that I always wanted. These are some of my favorites from the last. See, once I get inside the top 500, it immediately gets super difficult. Okay. Um, I'm going to have some bias here because I like, I like X-Men Red and Sword a lot. Is it better than... Akira. <laughs> Akira is is perpetually one of my most insane, probably, rankings. Um, I I need to retry Akira at some point, okay? Uh, clearly, the fact that I have it as the 472nd best comic of all time is a problem. But yeah, it's better than Akira. Um, what else do we got? All right, are we going inside the top 400? Is it better than Earth X? Earth X is really good. Mark Grunewald, Captain America. Incredibly long, incredibly good cap run. I would actually put it above that. 
It's definitely better than Messiah Complex. What do we got up here? Let's look for some Marvel comps. Doctor Strange by Cates. Wow, that's much too high. <laughs> okay, we got to adjust that. Uh, let's see, what else do we got up here? John Burns, Fantastic Four, 361. Moon Knight, Scarlet Redemption, the underrated Jam DeMatty's John Garney book, 362. Century, 2000 book by Paul Jenkins, J. Lee. I think it's better than all those. Iron Man Extremis, it's definitely better than Iron Man Extremis. Stanley the Manly, Jack Kirby, Thor. Slot Allred, Silver Surfer. Oh, man, this is hard. How high am I going to go? Marvel Knights, Black Panther. I'd rather read X-Men Red. A lot of this is is recency bias, clearly. Okay, I'm going to stop here. It's not better than X-Men Legacy. It's not better than Planet Hulk and World War Hulk. Is it better than Spectacular Spider-Man by Jam DeMatties and Sal Buscema? That feels like the right area. Is it better than Death Note? No. Monster? No. Black Panther? I'd say yes, actually. We're going to put it right here. Below Tech and Kinkrete by Teo Matsumoto. This this could go up, possibly. I'm trying not to overrate the fact that it's new-ish, right? And, and Resurrection of Magneto obviously has not technically finished yet. So I do think, like, you know, kind of technically it's an incomplete work. Uh-oh. All right, so this is going in at the new 330. And you might be watching this thinking like, oh, this is just some weirdo's list. <laughs> I scoff at that. You Google the best comics of all time. This is what you're going to see, my friends. This list has been shaping hearts and minds for nigh on a decade. When folks say to the world, what are the best comics of all time? This is what they see. They see what I want them to see. That's the power. <laughs> of the lowly influencer. Okay, we rank two Marvel books. What are we all saying? Xavier says, is anything better than Earth X? That is one of the problems you have. Uh, ranking these comics. Cousin Marcus says, don't disrespect our Lord and Savior, Donny Cates. Oh, that reminds me. We got to move down Donny Cates, Doctor Strange. That was way too high. <laughs> I like that run fine. I promise you I do. But holy cow, does that not need to be in the top 400? Doctor Strange, The Oath at 215. Stanley the Manly at 246. Doctor Strange by Cates. Here it is, 380. That is inappropriate. Unethical almost. All right, you're coming out of there. Well, can't do it. All right, where are we moving that down to? Let's get that. That doesn't belong in the top 500. Well, we don't have to be too rude. Uh, it's not better than Are You Listening. It is probably better than I Hate Fairyland. We can move it right there. That'll be our new 503 on the list. Did I just pass it? Where was it? There it is. Okay, so now we're just doing housekeeping. This is this is pure taxes stuff. I'll tell you that, right? Ranking new comics, at least there's potentially some value in experiencing that. Me just adjusting the list? Pure taxes. Gosh, that must be exciting for all of you. Okay, who's next? Alright, what do y'all want to do? Y'all want to do... Should we just go from the top? Let's do two more. We can do two more. Uh, should we do Howard the Duck? We'll, we'll just do the Marvel ones. You're all Marvel people. Uh, A-Town says, what is number one? Yeah, I guess if you're unfamiliar with this very popular and 
renowned list. Number one is Watchmen. Number two is Sandman. Number three is Bone. And on and on it goes. This top 10 is lights out. Um, I would say top 12, unimpeachable. Watchmen through Pluto. I have no questions. I have no doubts. I will not be taking any notes. <laughs> Once you get to Why the Last Man, I'm kind of like, oh, that might have been a I was younger than experience. Right? And then there's some, I mean, there's some of these where I'm like, hey, it, like if somebody's like, oh, Berlin should be top 10. Like, yeah, like it's great. I'm not saying it's not great when I rinkety teeth. I'm, in fact, I'm saying the opposite. Okay, so there you go. You can Again, you can find the whole list on Comic Herald's Best Comics of All Time. Um, you know, all you got to do is Best Comics of All Time, baby. Look at that. Average position, 4.4. Do you want the screen rant list? Uh-uh. Reddit? No, thank you. When it was cool? No chance. Nerd and Co? Why? Why would you do that to yourself and others around you? You want Comic Book Herald? Right here. Okay. Let's do two more. How are the duck? Randall says, Akira is better than Why Last Yawn. Sick burn. Sick burn. Xavier says, Why the Last Man is way too high. Listen. Certain things. Chris <laughs> Chris Quibb says, Bone is too high. Chris. I can never tell with you what, what you're on about. Insane take. All right. Why the last man might be too high? That I can't argue with. Okay. What was I going to do? What were we talking about before you all get under my skin? Good golly. I forgot. Oh, where does Howard the Duck go? I love Howard the Duck. I love Steve Gerber. It's a very, it's very funny to me that that book exists. Uh, it's not a super pleasant experience to go back and read it. <laughs> <laughs> when you've gotten beyond that sort of conceptual joy of it. Um, I suspect if you were reading this in the late 1970s, it was very fun. I bet it was a very good time. But uh, now it does not hold up incredibly well, although there's still value to be had. So I can't put it crazy high. It's better than Spider-Man Human Torch. I was stupid. Uh, I like it more than Joe the Barbarian. What else do we got on here? It's better than all this stuff. It's not better than David Boring by Daniel Klaus. It's not better than Hungry Ghost. I actually don't like Superman Birthright that much. People like to go to that one as a good Superman origin. I think it's quite overrated. We're going to put Howard the Duck right there, 594. All right, Howie. You found your place on the list, yet you will remain unpublished. Because I only published the top 500. Why spend time ranking 500 to 1,000 when you're not even going to, to publish that? It's a really good question. I wish I knew the answer. I guess it's so it gives me an accurate, you know, bottom 1,000. Or, or bottom of the list as we move towards 1,000. All right, we can do one more. What do you all want to do? Do you want to do Hard Boiled, the Frank Miller, Jeff Darrow, Dark Horse book? Do you want to do, do I have any more other Marvel ones on here? Adventures into Fear slash Man-Thing, another Steve Gerber joint. Um, obviously, anything here is fair game. Oh, let's do Blame. Let's do Blame, the manga by Sutomu Nihai. Uh, I love this. Blame's going to go reasonably high. The, one, the books on here right now, if you're just looking for good reads, that I'm thinking like, oh, these are going to rank really well. Glenn Ganji's The River at Night by Kevin Heisinga. 
A Guest in the House by Emily Carroll. Both of those are going high. Um, what else is going especially high? Blame, Palestine by Joe Sacco, must read. What else? Roaming by the Tamakis is going to do okay. Mr. Invincible. This is a blast. This is going to go super high. I saw somebody here in the chat asked about, uh, what about Calvin Hobbes? The only reason I haven't ranked Calvin Hobbes, which is going to be a top 15 one for me, is uh, I haven't finished reading all of them. <laughs> That's it. Uh, so should I just throw it on there and have it on the list? Probably, yeah. But uh, I don't, and I, I will in the near future once I've read more. Let's see. Jasper says Bone is a masterpiece. Thank you, Jasper, for confirming what we all knew to be true. Justin M. says Howard is better than Miller's Daredevil. <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> um, Jasper asks, what is the highest Valiant comic? Uh, probably, is it going to be, it's going to be, actually the highest Valiant comic is going to be Dr. Solar Man of the Atom, which is the Jim Shooter one from the original Valiant Lost. That is the 389th best comic of all time. Good question. Randall says, have you read all six big volumes of Blame? I have. Chris with the insults because I don't like the incal. How dare you? <laughs> okay, we're going to rank one more. Blame. Is it, it, Randall says, I think it's pronounced blam. I mean, listen, I can't pronounce anything anyway. You throw me a, just a straight up word spelled the same. Is, 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 that a, is it a different language? That iteration? I, how could I possibly know that? <laughs> okay, let's rank blame. Blame. We got to compare this to some other manga which I've got on the list. Let's see. We're looking up to the 300s here. Uh, is it better than Tekken Kingcrete? I kind of liked it more, actually. Is it better than Death Note? I finished it, and I definitely never finished Death Note, so I feel like it might be. That's sound reasoning, right? Old Head's great. I like Old Head a lot. Very funny Kyle Stark's work. Blue is the warmest color. That's good. The Killing Joke. You probably heard of that one. Um, I do like it better than Cobra. Okay, let's. Get, is it better than Ghost World? Huge influence. Hmm. I mean, I read more of it than Full Metal Alchemist. That's one that I need to come back to. This is probably the range. This is the range. Black Hole's incredible, by Charles Burns. Man, I have Captain Britain in MI13 incredibly high. <laughs> the superhero rankings on this are wild. Okay, I like it more than The Killing Joke. I don't think I can put it ahead of Ghost World, but we'll put it right above Doom Patrol by Rachel Pollock and Linda Medley. Our new 289 is going to be blamed. This one's on Hoopla right now if you have that library app you don't even need anything more than that let's get blame on the list good stuff what did we say 289 right about here there we go all right thank you all for doing taxes with me much appreciated i could keep going clearly we have many more books to rank right now pepto bismol says when does guts kiss griffith that changes my ranking how high do i actually have Berserk. I think it's my highest ranked manga. Is that, no, Pluto is. But where I think I moved it. I moved it to 205. 
and I've read as far as volume 18 maybe. So I've still got more Berserk to go. I'm still open very strongly to the possibility of moving Berserk ahead of awesome comics like Monstrous, Infinity Gauntlet, X-Men, God Loves, Man Kills, but I am I plan to keep reading it. So I think Cousin Marcus asks, can you pronounce Moira? <laughs> sure, I can pronounce that, that word. Uh, Moira. Oh, Moira. You're the only friend I ever had. Oh, Charles. How dare he? There we go. There we go. Jasper says the killing joke sucks. Brian Bolton's really good, though. And here's the thing. Even Alan Moore's worst comic, incredibly influential. All right. Thank you all for being here. Thank you all for joining. Justin M. asks, is Copra actually good? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think it's, I don't know if it's, I don't know how to pronounce their name, but Michael Fife, something like that. Um, if you like super comics and you, but you also like like kind of an indie cartoonist perspective on them, you should definitely check out Copra. All right. We did it. Way to go, everybody. Good work. Thanks for being here. You've all done fantastic. I'm so excited about doing this X-Men draft tomorrow. I can't wait to tell you all about it next week. Next week is going to be good, too. What do we got next week? Next week, we got, I think we got a rise coming, right? Okay. We're going to have Ultimate Spider-Man number two. Yes. Rise of the Powers of X number two. Yes. Gods number five. Okay. That's three interesting Marvel books. Okay. We're going to be, we're going to do it. We'll be here next week. Thanks, everybody, for listening, as always. Enjoy the comics.